What is up, Fat Guy Forum listeners? This is Gourmet with a quick note before we get into this week's episode. A couple things. First, I am very excited that this week, two new things are happening. One, this episode features the updated Fat Guy Forum, Fat Guy 5 questions. Two, if you are a member of the Patreon, the after show starts now. So this week, going forward, will be the brand new Fat Guy Forum after show exclusive to Patreons. So if you are not signed up, Check out the link in the the notes of this episode. Get yourself signed up so you can get access to that extra content involving this show. I'm excited to finally getting it launched and in your hands. So let's move forward with that. That'll be exciting. And if you're not into Patreon and you still want to support the show, don't forget we have the affiliate links in the show notes for Redmond and Kettle and Fire Broths. If you use either of those codes, that helps support us keeping the show on the air as well. So that's all, my friends. Let's get into it. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet. And if you listened last week, you know that this week's episode is part two of my discussion with Shiloh Kinney. He is still on the line. We're doing a marathon recording session, but I really wanted to make sure, one, that you all weren't getting you know, a Joe Rogan-length episode and that we were honoring you know, the story that, that Shiloh is bringing to us today. So if you missed part one, go back and listen to that. You know, Shiloh takes us through his growing up and also his experiences in the Navy and where that led him to in 2017. And now with part two, we're going to start diving into what came next for him. If you remember from last week's episode, he talked about, you know, not just his diagnosis with bulimia and the impact of, of that behavior had had on his life for the several years before that, but also headed out of the Navy, not really knowing what was going to come next for him. So. Shiloh, you gave us a little bit of a spoiler in the last episode talking about Costco, but take us into where things went for you after you left the Navy. So I got out in October of 2018 and I got to go on what's called terminal leave. So I had two or three weeks of leave. So I actually stopped working prior to my last day in the Navy and just used up that leave, which is when I started working at Costco. And I probably weighed... To, I think I weighed 265. This was around the time I started using a, a tracking app in my phone that I've used ever since. And um, I went to work at Costco and I got hired as a seasonal employee with no, no plan for the future. Wasn't sure what to expect. And I got hired as a stalker and my shift was usually from four to nine, unless I picked up uh, front hours where I would assist one of the cashiers. And I was walking anywhere from 15 to 20,000 steps a day, just doing the stocking shift and weight started coming off. And I thought, you know, I'm not in the Navy anymore. I don't have any standards. I'm going to start working out after I get off work. So I started lifting a little bit and I started eating more because I thought, you know, you enjoy food and you got rid of some of the unhealthy habits. I hadn't been active in bulimia for over a year and I started putting on weight. I was there for a month and I was losing half a pound to a pound a week, not changing anything. And then I thought, since I'm walking this much and I'm losing weight every week, I can eat more and I'll maintain. And uh, I had that mentality and I still walked 15 to 20,000 steps a day and worked just as hard. But I went from around 265 or 270 at the beginning of the holiday season in October to finishing the holiday season around 295, uh, just before January 1st of 2018. So, um, I had randomly 
you know, my second job in the Navy was an electronics technician on submarines. So I had that in my resume, but I didn't give any thought to it because I didn't get to do it for very long. I had school for a year and then I had two deployments on a submarine, but I didn't even do a full four-year tour on a sub. So I, that was kind of never in my mind as something I had to offer. But one night I put in my resume to a recruiting website and I got a call within a couple of days and they said, we saw your resume, we saw you have government experience, you still have a clearance and we would like to see what kind of jobs you're interested in. And I said, I don't know what I'd be qualified for, but I had my ET experience on the resume and they said, well, <clears throat> most jobs is uh, manual labor jobs, day labor jobs, fire watch. You can make anywhere between like 22 and $25 an hour if you're lucky. And I said, oh, that's more than Costco. Costco was like 17 or 18 bucks an hour. And I said, that would, you know, that'd be fine. So they said, if you're really lucky, you'll uh, get a job at one of these local bases called Keyport that everybody calls the country club. And they can make, you know, upwards of $26 an hour. And it's a pretty relaxed place to work and people like it for the most part. But I wouldn't hold out for that. It's not very common. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I thought that I would get offered one of those laborer jobs. Well, a week before the season ended at Costco, I got a call and they offered me an electronics technician job at Keyport. And I said I would take it. And it was considerably more than they told me to expect. So there was no hesitation for the pay. But I told them, I'm not, I don't have much experience in like circuit boards and soldering and hands-on experience with electronics technician stuff. I was really into satellite communications and working in that area with like, you know, follow-on terminals and antennas on submarines and that kind of communication area. And they said, you'll just figure it out. So I went from walking 15 to 20,000 steps a day at Costco to this ET job where I was sitting at a bench all day and I was sedentary. And I went... I don't know, up to 310 or 320 fairly quickly and um, was pretty unhappy because I had no idea what I was doing. And I ended up getting switched to a mechanical job and I was still a contractor at this point. And that mechanical job was something I really enjoyed. It was more physical. So I stopped gaining weight because I was moving around. Um, and then I ended up going uh, government. And by this time I had really severe back pain, really severe knee pain. My shoulders were starting to bother me. I just felt all over pretty bad. And <clears throat> I got into the government and I got into this apprenticeship. And by the time the apprenticeship started, I probably weighed between 310 and 320, somewhere around there. And um, I had gone completely opposite from what I was in the military. I was in so much pain that I didn't move because I thought if I didn't move, I would feel better. So I would go to school or I'd go to work, depending on what cycle we were in, because the apprenticeship has both. And then I would go home and I would lay on the couch and I would lay on the couch and eat junk food until I went to sleep. So I was almost completely sedentary, except for the little walk, little bit of walking me to do at work or school. I didn't move at all. And when I got uh, picked up for government, I went to this shop and we ended up getting a new guy part of the way through COVID named uh, Steve. And Steve is somebody else, kind of like Lieutenant Thomas, that had a pretty profound effect on me. Um, he heard that I wanted to lose weight and he heard that I had tried 
Weight Watchers. So I did Weight Watchers and I think I was on my third or fourth week. And, you know, my first week I lost like 11 pounds and my second week I lost six pounds and then I lost one and then I lost zero. And I thought with, with my previous experience, if I'm on any kind of diet, I always get a result. It's just my body reacts well to it. If I make good choices and I'm in a deficit, it just works. So on that fourth week when I had lost a zero weight, he heard that I was frustrated. And he said, well, which one of the plans are you on? And I don't remember the way the plans were set up, but I knew that I was on one that had free foods. And the, the free foods were, if I remember correctly, like a banana was a free food, an apple was a free food, a hard-boiled egg was a free food. You know, there was a handful of things that if you track them, they're they're not insignificant. They're like 100 calories, 75 calories. And if you eat enough of them, they add up. So I would eat a ton of the free stuff. Like I can eat a bushel of bananas, no problem. And if, if it's free in my mind, then I'm not breaking any rules. So I can just eat as much of it as I want because I'm hungry since I'm on a diet. So I would just eat a ton of the free stuff and it stopped working. And Steve sat me down and he said, how serious are you about losing weight? And I said, I'm, I'm very serious. Like I weighed 338 pounds before I went in the Navy. And then I got to 199 and I've never maintained my, like some people, I work with a guy that says that he has a pair of pants that he's worn for the last 16 years. I don't have anything that has ever fit me for more than like two months, three months. Like I, I constantly had to buy clothes. I had up to a 46 inch waist when I was in the Navy. So I had clothes that went up to a 46 and then on the small end, I'd go down to a 36 and I had everything in between. And he said, how serious are you? And I explained that to him and I said, I'm pretty serious because I'm, I'm done with this. This isn't fun. I'm constantly in pain. I just want to feel better. I want to be able to play with my kids because at that point, anytime there was just standing, like if it was, they were like, we want to go to the park or we want you to watch us play soccer or you we want you to come do this thing with us. If it was just standing, then I couldn't do it because I would, my leg would fall asleep. Uh, it was an issue related to my lower back that they never quite figured out exactly what it was, but it went away with weight loss. Um, so I told him how serious I was. And he said, you just need to pick a calculator. And I, I'm very exact. So he, I was like, which one? And he said, it doesn't matter. You just need to pick a calculator. And that's the one that you're going to stick with. Cause it's, what some people don't know about coaches, if a coach gives you macros, they're just using a formula. It may be a formula that they've tailored a little bit to meet their needs, or it could be one of the several standard formulas that exist to dietitians and nutritionists, but they're just using a formula. And he said, if you use the same one every time, consistency trumps everything else. So he had me pick a calorie calculator. I put it in and I remember I was 347 pounds and he said 347 pounds at your age, your height and the activity level that you have, cause you want to start working out. You can eat 3,500 calories a day and lose weight. And I was used to like when I was in Bahrain, if I needed to lose some weight um, prior to the, the episode, I would go on like a 2,100 calorie diet or I would drink all protein shakes. I would do something kind of extreme. And he said, Eat 3,500 calories, uh, pick a protein goal, and let the fats and carbs just fall wherever they fall. Some days will be high fat, some days will be high carb. Just hit your protein goal and don't go over your calories. 
And I, I was like, 3,500 is way too much. I'm not going to do that. And he said, for you to weigh 347 pounds, you have to eat significantly more than that because you've continued to gain weight steadily since I met you. And I was like, I don't care. 3,500 is too much. So we settled on 3,000. So I ate 3,000 calories. And I lost, I think, five or six pounds the first week. And then I lost two or three pounds. And then I lost one pound. And I explained that to him that I was frustrated. And then I lost another pound. And then I lost another pound. And he said, do you know what it would look like if you lost one pound a week for the next, for every week for the next year? And I was like, oh, it'd be 52 pounds. And he was like, that's significant. And it's, it's maintainable because if you lose it that slow, your body adjusts and it makes new set points. Because at that point, my set point, I had been over 300 pounds for more than a year. And I think that if I did nothing, I would sit somewhere around 300, 305. So he said... I would recommend this, but if you can't do that, try 3000 and hit your protein goal. So I did that. I lost the weight and he said, you need to start doing some kind of strength training. And I told him that every time I had started working out in the gym, everybody in the Navy said, you need to stay away from the weights because they'll make you too big. And he explained that weight loss or weight gain is just a math equation. If you're not eating enough calories to put on weight, you won't gain weight. You're not going to you're not going to put on muscle if you're not eating in a surplus. You, Best case scenario, you will maintain muscle while you lose weight. And even that's difficult. So he started explaining these things to me. And I just stuck with it. And I remember I lost the first 20 pounds. And I was like, you know, that's 20 pounds. Like I can, it's scary how fast I can come back on. That's two weeks of bad decisions. And I'm back, right back where I started. And then I lost another 20 pounds and I thought like, you know, this is, maybe this is working. I don't know if I can do this forever, but I was also doing it in a flexible way. So if I wanted pizza, I remember one night we were going to have pizza as a family and I didn't want to just have two slices. So I didn't eat anything that day and I ate all my calories in pizza and actually hit my protein goal. And it was the day before a weigh-in and I thought like, this is going to be a terrible decision. And I still lost a pound, even eating all that food and all that sodium and everything that's in a pizza still lost weight. And that was kind of proof to me that there are no bad foods. Uh, one of the things that the, the eating disorder specialist said to me before I got out of the Navy, she asked me what are good foods and what are bad foods. And I explained it to her and she said, well, you're wrong. And I said, how do you mean? And she said, there are no bad foods. There's bad quantities. There's always foods and sometimes foods, but there are no bad foods. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with that. There's some stuff that I should just never eat again. And she said, what do you like? And I told her I really like candy. And she said, go to the, go to Costco, buy the giant thing of Sour Patch, get a handful a day, not a, not an overflowing handful, but like a closed fist handful, get a handful a day and eat those every day, but don't eat more than that. And I was like, it sounds kind of weird. And I even told my wife about it. She was like, I don't know that that's the greatest idea. So we did it. And as long as it wasn't uh, not allowed, I didn't overindulge in it. So that was kind of my first experience with having things around that are supposed to be bad. But it's not bad if you don't eat it all at one time. So I remembered that when I was talking to Steve and I ate this, you know, it was it was like five or six slices of pizza that was 3000 calories, but it was 160 grams of protein I needed. And I, I was good to go. 
So I thought after that, I thought I can do this. And then I kind of started experimenting and I would, um, I remember I ate two or three Oreos every day. Uh, when I was tracking my food, I weighed them because I remember not all Oreos are created equally and mm. everything comes, everything's weighed in either grams or ounces. So it didn't matter if it was peanut butter filled pretzels or Oreos or uh, trail mix pack from Costco. I weighed everything. I weighed everything that wasn't a leafy green vegetable because I do remember that I could never eat enough lettuce or broccoli to put weight on. I just need to track the things I put on them. The butter is important, but the broccoli is not important. The salad, you know, if I eat 300 grams of salad, that's fine. Track the croutons and track the dressing. So those are all things that I started practicing for kind of longevity. And I continued to lose weight. And I started incorporating strength training. And I was getting stronger while losing weight. And then in 2021, I decided I was going to run a half marathon. I had run one previously in... 2016 I believe and I got a 157 <clears throat> and even at the time I weighed like 265 pounds and I remember we were going up a hill once in 2016 and at 265 and this smaller guy said you should really you should taper off you should slow down a little bit you're going to burn out and I thought in my head like screw you dude like I've gotten ready for this I know what I'm capable of I prepared so I just kept doing what I was doing finished a few minutes before him and felt pretty good about that so in 2021, I wanted to do another half marathon and I wanted to, to get it under two hours. And I thought that would be a pretty good goal. And I think I weighed 300 or 299 when I started getting ready for it. And <clears throat> I did 10 weeks of training. And then by race day, I weighed 277. And by this point, from September of 2020 to October of 2021, um, I hadn't had any binges. I hadn't had any purges. I hadn't had any unhealthy behaviors. I had never worked out in excess of an hour. I, I hadn't done any of the, the previous um, bad habits I had with exercise and diet and fitness. So I felt pretty good about that. And I, I got to half marathon day. I weighed 277 pounds. So I was 70 pounds down from when I started in September of 2020. And I was really frustrated because my goal was two hours and I got 202. But then I realized at like I had just come out of years of chronic back pain, chronic knee pain. I strained my hamstring a couple weeks before. People told me I shouldn't even do the race, but I'm too stubborn. So I did the race and then you know, it took a little while, but I'm pretty proud of that 202. And then um, I started just finding different things that I could do to keep myself engaged. And that was also when I started uh, experimenting with intuitive eating because I had a solid year of weighing everything that went into my mouth. And that was uh, October of 2021. And I haven't tracked a full day of eating since October of 2021. And as of two days ago, I was still 277 pounds. Um, which is something I kind of struggled with when I was going to come on this podcast. Cause I thought like, I'm not thin enough, which is just goes back to the eating disorder mentality. Mm -hmm. But I felt like I haven't, I haven't accomplished enough. So why would he want to interview me? But 
kind of reflecting on that, I have never weighed plus or minus five pounds of the same weight for more than a month. So if you expand that, I haven't done that for six months. I haven't done that for a year. Mm-hmm. So that's huge yeah. to maintain. I haven't gone over 285. I haven't gone below 275. So there haven't been any extremes in either direction. And I really focused on strength. And I've connected with people recently, other people that have lost significant amount of weight. And I showed them pictures of me early in 2022. And then like, you know, around May and then one last week. And I've had some pretty significant uh, body composition changes. If you just go look at the Operation Strong Dead Instagram, you can see um, I, I thought about going back and deleting the really old posts from when I first started it. And I just decided I wanted it to be organic and people would see. If you go look at really old stuff, I'm probably 240, 250 pounds. You can see when I stopped posting because I put on weight. And then you can see when I decided I'd get a little motivated again and then I'd come back. And it was kind of three weeks ago when I decided, like, I'm really going to share my story. Um, and part of it is is the healthy relationship that I've developed with food. Like those videos that I made for Instagram that I sent to you, that I, I reached out to you with, um, I reached out to probably more than 20 people and it got reposted, uh, I don't know, more than a dozen times. And I don't think people realize how important it is to not look at foods as good foods or bad foods. Because if, like the, the example I had in my video is, if I had a bad food, then I was bad. And if you have, if you have an eating disorder, you're not very kind to yourself. So if you already have a negative, uh, negative core thought or self self-talk, the way you, you speak to yourself, then if you're bad because you ate bad food, then it kind of just starts, you end up going down a hole and that's how you end up binging or putting on weight or going through an episode of depression. So, so that's been really important. And I think four months ago, I found a workout program called street parking and street parking has helped me identify a healthy relationship with exercise, which was really important. So something that, that kind of bugged Steve in the beginning, I would just do something until it was difficult because I didn't understand progression. I didn't, I didn't understand programming. Um, I had a handful of equipment, but I didn't really make smart choices. I would just do something until I couldn't do it anymore. And he would try to give me tips and it kind of, you know, I was like, I know what I'm doing. And I, I would just kind of flail around. And then I started street parking. And the nice thing about street parking is it is scalable to everybody. So there are people in the group over 70. There's people in the group over 400 pounds. It's an incredibly supportive community. And they tell you how to do these movements in the, the healthiest possible way. They try to reduce injury by giving you uh, ways to modify and scale workouts. And the community is super supportive, which is kind of where I started sharing my story. And and uh, I just got my 75 hoodie, which is something you get after 75 log workouts. And um, I don't know, street parking is, you know, Steve, Lieutenant Thomas, and street parking have had some pretty key roles to get me to where I am today. It's, it's been pretty life-changing. And I think something I want to say, like, 
you're, and, and I'm sure people listening are like, oh, wow, Gormy's actually talking now uh, after listening to part one. Um, <laughs> I want you to know, like, you know, that, that, that doubt, like you were saying about, you know, is your story worth telling? Like, I think it is. I also think like realistically there, there's different, you know, paths and tracks here that have to do with, you know, and all, they all inter interconnect, but really dealing with, with weight loss and dealing with an eating disorder on many levels are different things. And, you know, there are a lot of people that deal with ups and downs of weight loss and don't, <clears throat> excuse me, exhibit, you know, actually diagnosed eating disorder behavior and, you know, go through those challenges. And, you know, I, you know, as proud as I am of, of you getting the, you know, getting the 70 pounds off and maintaining it, because that is an incredible thing I want to talk about, you know, hearing you also then make sure, you know, that you say that you haven't had a binge episode, you know, you haven't gone through those behavior, you know, purging, you know, during that time as well is, is powerful for people to hear. Because I think you also know this, like when you're in that place of an active eating disorder and you're not being kind to yourself, you know, one of the biggest things that people can tell themselves is that there's no way out, you know, that this is, this is where things are, this is where things are going to stay. And so hearing that someone has been able to not only kind of come through that, but, but learn more about themselves and learn about that, the importance, you know, when you said Lieutenant Thomas, you know, wrote that note, you know, be kind to yourself. And if people haven't heard that, go back to episode one. Um, it's so important because really healing and taking care of yourself involves kindness. Like we, we love, you know, seeing the people on social media, you know, hate yourself and kill your clone every day and beat yourself up. And, you know, a lot of that rah-rah yelling, you know, that people respond to, I don't find it sustainable for people because if you're not actually being kind to yourself through all of that, you're not taking care of your needs and you're not really kind of taking care of yourself as a whole being. So I love hearing the work that you did. And I, I love that, you know, one of the things, you know, as much as we talked before, about ups and downs with your weight, you know, one of the big things you were conscious of was there was no real direction with nutrition in anything that you were doing. And the fact that then you came to this place of learning about nutrition and how your body responds to things. And I love when someone talks about the fact that there's food isn't bad or, you know, food isn't bad or good. And of course, there's going to be people that, that scream back at that. And they're like, tell me how something that, you know, something that's basically 99% corn syrup is good. And it's like, well, you're missing the point. You know, the, it's the fact that when we start to demonize things that we then start to demonize ourselves, you know, and start to punish ourselves for eating these things that we see as incredibly bad instead of being able to kind of get into that place that you're talking about where there's always food and sometimes food. And when the sometimes food starts to become the always food is when things start to get out of whack. And can, you know, kind of take, take people in directions that, that aren't healthy, but hearing the challenges that you've been through and you still come to this place now of being able to care for yourself and, and show yourself the compassion to get you to the place where you're at today, I think is really powerful. And, and, you know, I think you should be incredibly proud of losing 70 pounds and keeping that off. And do you have to fit a certain quote unquote, you know, model of, of being an after person, like, I don't think that that's what any of our journeys are about. You know, I think it's about getting ourselves to a place where we have a healthy relationship with our bodies, with food, with life in general, because often we don't have that before. You know, we don't have that when we're in that place where things are out of whack or, or we're using food for, for reasons that food shouldn't be used for. 
you know, we're in that place of, of active disorder behavior, like coming to a place where you can still be setting goals for yourself, still be working on things in a positive direction is, is wonderful to hear. And then the fact that you want to not just do that for yourself, but find a way to share that with others so other people can hear, you know, what you went through and what it took for you to come through it. Um, so I, I, a few things came to mind specifically, I had a strong re reaction when you said <clears throat> people would be upset that they're, of course there are bad foods. If you feel that way and you're listening to this, chances are you've never experienced an eating disorder. A bad food becomes a bad food when somebody thinks if I eat this, I have to get it out of my body. That's when it becomes a bad food. That's when that's the dangerous, unhealthy territory. And part of, you know, I've thought of, of what I would like to do when I share my story. And I would like to create a healthy community of people that, that just support each other. That's, you know, I used everything that I did to lose weight was free. And I would like to get a group together and just give them the same resources that I had and, and see how it goes. But there's so many people that there's so many coaches that say like, if you don't get it at 4am and do the 100 burpees, and you're a piece of garbage, and you're not a man, if you don't have a six pack and, and all these things, it's, it's, you know, I lost 70 pounds, and I kept it off for a year. And I debated whether or not I thought I was uh, qualified to be on this podcast. But thinking about it yesterday, I posted a, a kind of, you know, I'd never seen it side by side, but kind of a significant before and after. This is the first time this is the first time I've been comfortable in my body. Like, you know, I have two kids, they're eight and ten. Normally, even if it was just my shirt, like I know guys, like I know guys if you go over to their house, they're gonna change their shirt. They may take it off in the kitchen, walk upstairs shirtless. That would never enter my mind in a million years until probably the last four months where I don't have to go in the bathroom and shut the door to change my t-shirt because I'm embarrassed for my kids to see me without a shirt on. And that is so huge because I was ashamed forever. I didn't want to be that guy whose kids wear shirts at the beach because dad wears shirts at the beach when dad's doing it because he's ashamed of his body and his, and the kids are just doing it because they want to be like dad. Like we're, we're modeling behaviors for our children and I didn't want to create unhealthy habits for my children that were a result of something I had experienced a decade before. No, I think that makes complete sense, man. And looking where you're at today, like when you look back, you know, especially having freshly told everything, what do you think are the biggest lessons that you've learned? Uh, be kind to yourself is the biggest one. Um, you know, a huge part of the story Growing up alone, growing up without a dad, spending a lot of time alone as a kid, isolating myself in the barracks room in Spain when I was there. I mean, I was in a beautiful country that people pay a lot of money to go to for six months, and I left my room one time. And all of these things, you know, uh, it wasn't until I was on the sub that I had a panic attack, but I always had anxiety and I just didn't know it. And I had done all these things that, you know, physical exercise or isolation or, you know, I do stuff to punish myself and I didn't know I was doing it. And the biggest takeaway, like if I could, on a daily basis now, I have to remind myself to be kind to myself. And there's tons of people that have to do that. And that's okay. That's fine. 
No, it completely is fine, man. And I, I, I think a question that people listening will also have is, you know, where, what is your perspective on your, on your mental health today? In terms of your challenges uh, and you know what are the what are the things that that are going on for you? Uh, much better, much much better. Uh, if anybody's wondering, I ninety nine percent of the time I'm fine, but you know something I included in my my write up to Gormy is is you know I'm a hundred percent disabled vet, and that was that was a a, a really huge struggle. Uh, that I had to go through, you know, I've gone to a counselor off and on for the last six years, which I recommend everybody do. There's nothing wrong with it. But getting that 100% disabled vet rating made me think, well, then I must be broken. Like, if if they say that, it's the end. Like, I'm FUBAR. I'm done. They're, I don't have anything to offer anybody. I can't get a good job. Like, if they say I'm 100%, they must know something that I don't know. And it took a while to realize, like, it's, it's kind of a version of imposter syndrome. Like in my mind, I thought, you know, there's other vets that are worse off than me that have a lower percentage rating and it's unfortunate. And I think that's true, but all I did was present all of the things that happened to me in the military and people that were impartial to me made that decision. And it was something that I learned to be okay with and, and to get comfortable with. But like, you don't, somebody, <laughs> Somebody at work in the apprenticeship, because in the apprenticeship, you don't make a lot of money. Somebody said, how can you afford to do this? And I told him it was because I was 100% disabled vet, you know, and it's not hard. You can Google that and see what 100% disabled vet makes. And they said, well, it must be nice. And I said, how so? And they were like, make all this money. And, you know, you have a salary before you even get paid. And, and you know, it must be nice. And I was like, I would much rather not be 100% disabled. I'd rather be 0% disabled and have less money than have to deal with the issues that I have to deal with. I mean, like I said, everything happens for a reason. <clears throat> and most of the time I'm fine, but I definitely have hard days. Oh yeah. And that's a great point that you made to them. Like it, you know, it, it speaks to kind of like our, our culture in general, that whole idea of people, their, their minds go right to money and not to, what brought you to the, you know, the place that you're at, you know, and what you went through to get here and, you know, all of those, all those different facets of it. So, you know, that makes complete sense to me, man. And Shiloh, what are, what are the things that drive you now? Like, what are the things that you get excited about? Potentially helping other people. Um, I really wanted to be a social worker in my last year in the military because of the impact that Lieutenant, Lieutenant Thomas had on me. But then I, the more I looked into the field and I did my first two quarters of school, I, I kind of learned about like somebody becomes a teacher because they've wanted to be a teacher their whole life. And then they're six years into the career and then their dream job becomes a job and then it becomes something that makes them unhappy. And I kind of, I didn't want to go down that route. I thought I can find another way to help people. Um, and actually the first time I reached out to you, I think it was my, it was my elevator pitch. Like I'm a hundred percent disabled vet and I'm trying to start this company and I would appreciate it if you shared a video, which you did and you were super kind, but you know, reflecting just in the last two weeks, I'm putting that on pause. Cause if, you know, if anybody listening to this reaches out to me, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the same free resources that I used. I'm going to tell you I'm not a professional and I can't make any professional choices. And, 
your choices are your own, but I can point you in the direction the same way Steve did for me. And it could change their life too. You know, if I, one guy messaged me on TikTok after I, I put out a message and said, if you have a significant amount of weight to lose, this is completely free. I'm just going to give you the same stuff I used. Just message me. And, you know, I got a, probably a dozen people that are like, oh, sounds good. One guy reached out to me. I followed up with him a week later. I gave him the same resources I used. And after a week of tracking 3,000 calories a day and walking a little bit and just making some better choices, he lost nine pounds. Mm, that's, it, awesome. that's pretty, that was huge. Like, yeah. I don't even know the guy's name, but I had an effect on his life. And whether he keeps that up or not, TikTok is a weird place. Communication is kind of difficult, but it, that's the effect I would like to have on more people. No, I, I have no doubt that you're heading in that direction, man. And on the flip side of the things that get, you know, drive you and get you excited, what are, are the biggest challenges you face now? Uh, if I'm being honest, feeling exposed. Um, when I was getting out of the Navy, uh, I started a YouTube channel and I made several videos talking about the VA application process and what was going to happen when I got out and my eating disorder. And, and I did all these things. And I took it down for a couple reasons. I took it down, uh, one, because almost all of it, I was giving all the credit to other people, which isn't, there are people that pointed me in the right direction. You know, street parking, Steve and Lieutenant Thomas had a huge effect on me, but they didn't do the work for me. And that was kind of the message I had back then. It's like, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I am. And that's not true. Because I, I could have found it a different way and made those same choices on my own. So feeling exposed is is something I'm getting used to and something I'm getting comfortable with. But I hope that if there's some guy out there that's, you know, 32 and got diagnosed with an eating disorder and thinks like there's no other men that I relate to and there's some, I can't find anybody like me. Like they exist, like I'm here. So it's hard to be exposed, but I hope people find me. I hope so too, man. And, and that actually is a, a question that I had that I, I probably should have asked when we, when you were first talking about your diagnosis, like, cause I, I think predominantly, and it's changed slightly over the past couple of years, but I, I still think in a lot of ways, predominantly eating disorders are talked about in the realm of women. And it's not often that you really see a, a, an emphasis put on, you know, men struggling with eating disorders. Like, did you feel any of that, you know, when you were, when it was something that was, you know, being put in front of you with, you know, your diagnosis, like, well, this isn't something, you know, I'm a man, this isn't something that happens to me. Oh, absolutely. And I was a huge, I had seen you even at that point on YouTube uh, I think at the time you had recently, or you were just about to do Mark Bell's podcast. And I I was huge on, I spent a ton of time on YouTube. So I eventually went straight to YouTube, looked up a documentary. All I could find is, uh, it, well, there was, there was one significant source that I'll get to, but the other one was a documentary that was uh, somewhere in England. And it was uh, binge eating disorder and eating disorder, not otherwise specified, which is kind of a generalized unhealthy bad relationship with food and exercise, but it's not something you can pinpoint. And it was, you know, one guy was very old and one guy was very young and thin. And it was just two people. I don't know if it was because they were in England and I, I don't know what it was, but I didn't feel like I could connect with them. Um, but one guy I've tried to reach through social media is uh, Nick Bear from Bear Performance Nutrition. His, his story, his he had a, a severe, a significant eating disorder he struggled with anorexia prior to joining the army and starting his company. 
and they're two, anorexia and bulimia are, are very different things. And I think anorexia has a much larger potential to get very severe and, and life threatening. But it was another guy, another guy in the military, and it was kind of like he wasn't portraying himself as as weak as like oh poor me i have an eating disorder it was like this guy's an army ranger he owns his own company he's doing all this cool stuff he's just sharing that he really struggled with something and uh i've been trying very hard to get a hold of nick bear because i'd love to have a conversation with him just to let him know how much he helped me if he didn't share those i wouldn't even think there was a place for me to share i he kind of it's a little, it's different, but it's what made me think I even had a business telling people my story. No, understood, man. And you, and you never know when you're going to, you know, when a connection can happen. So the, 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 that possibility is, is still out there for sure. And I think you're, you know, something else that the, you know, all of what we've been talking about brings up for me is this idea, you know, we talk about there not being any, you know, you know, foods not being good or bad, but I think sometimes too, like, we, we deal with challenges and then we label ourselves with those, you know, but based on those challenges, you know, and it's realizing that sometimes that's putting yourself in a box that you can't get out of because you keep reinforcing it, you know, and being able to find your way through those challenges sometimes often is about identifying that, yes, this is, this is a behavior that existed, you know, in my life, but it's not a behavior that defines my life. It's not something that is everything that I'm about. Well, yeah. And another part of my, I have to figure myself out because I'm figuring out myself as a dad. Like I didn't, I didn't grow up with a dad <clears throat> and I have a son who models my behaviors. And I had a conversation with somebody that I really respect recently. And he said, he was like, you're, you're kind of getting in your own way. Like, what do you want to do? What, what's the, the vision behind the business or the company or whatever it is you're trying to, to build? What is, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be proud of myself because, you know, a son wants to be like his dad. And if my son wants him to be like, if he wants to be like me, I want him to, to want to be a good man. And that's, 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 you know, to be proud of yourself at the end of the day, that that's huge. That's so many people don't get to feel that. No, I think you're hundred percent spot on there, man. <clears throat> well, Shiloh, we have been talking for a, a while. And I, I obviously then come up to the place of, is, is there anything in your story that we haven't had a chance to talk about at all during our discussion today that you want to make sure we get to? Uh, something. So when I was in San Diego, I'll backtrack just a little bit. In San Diego in 2011, um, I've always had a huge fascination, fascination with Navy SEALs. So I found out there was a gym that was owned by two Navy SEALs that also had a clothing company in San Diego, and it was called CrossFit Forged. The owners of that gym and that clothing company, Mike Sowers, and at the time, Ryan Williams, um, who has since opened several other companies, those two guys, they didn't care how much I weighed. They didn't care how much I could lift. They didn't care how I performed. They only cared that I showed up and that I tried. That was the first time that I realized, <clears throat> like, yeah, they were in the military, but I didn't work with them, so they didn't care about how I performed at work. They just saw a guy showing up to their gym that was that was really motivated to make a change, and 
those guys just telling me consistently, like, you can do this. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up. You can do this. You know, I had to go on a deployment, so I left the gym. I only got to go there for two or three months. But those two, uh, I still stay with, connected with to this day. And those were the first two guys in my adult life that encouraged me and told me that I could do it. And that was huge. I really, really needed that at the time. I was a brand new dad. I was about to go on my first real deployment. And those guys had, they were such a huge help to me in San Diego when I was kind of teetering on which side I was, you know, are you going to be able to hold it together? Or are you going to fall apart? And those guys really built me up at a time where I needed to be built up. So I'm really grateful to, to Mike and Ryan. That's awesome, man. And being able to express that gratitude is important. And also the message that was there, you know, keep showing up. You know, I think that's so important for people to, to really think about at the end of the day, you know, be kind to yourself and keep showing up. Like if those are the two things that people can take away from what we've talked about, you know, over the past two hours in total, you know, I, I think that's, that's a success in the, in the end anyway. Like that's a, that's a great thing for people to hear. Well, Shiloh, I, I have really appreciated your willingness to kind of take some time and dive really deep, you know, over these past two episodes and, we did this already in the first episode, but let's do it again in case anyone's joining in. If anyone does want to reach out to you, man, where do they find you? Uh, Instagram is the best place to reach me. It is Operation Strong Dad. One word, um, no spaces, no no weird symbols, just Operation Strong Dad. Reach out. I'd love to talk. Thanks, man. I end every episode, and now that we're, we're at the end of your two-parter, we're going to do this. With the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those five questions? I'm excited. Okay. So question number one, man, tell us, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? <laughs> Thought long and hard. Maddie Matheson. Do you know mm. who Maddie Matheson is? I do. I recognize the name. Oh, he, um, dude, he's just, I don't know if he fakes it or if it's genuine. He is the most confident big dude ever. Just as a businessman, as a husband, as a dad, as a chef, like that guy doesn't give a rip what anybody thinks. He's covered in tattoos, super successful businessman. Uh, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's hilarious. In a lot of ways, he's done things that I wish I could do that are on like my bucket list. So Maddie Matheson, definitely my favorite fat guy. Hey, there we go, man. I like it. And I like when I get one that is... Not necessarily an end that every person is going to know, so they can go out there and Google now. You know, go, oh, do, he's go, awesome. do, go do some homework. Uh, question yeah. number two, man. Tell us, what is something about yourself that you love? I, uh, I, I tell my wife that I'm, I'm too dumb to quit. I went out on a run not long ago, and I was like, oh, you know, I finished the three miles. And she said, I knew you were going to finish. Uh, so instead of saying I'm too dumb to quit, I would, I would rephrase that and say I am persistent. I will see it through. I, th I think that is definitely something we have seen on display uh, through this discussion, Ben. So I like that. Question number three, what has been the most important new habit that you have built on your entire journey, man? Not hiding food. Uh, just related to everything we've talked about. The second, the, I haven't binged and I haven't purged in uh, probably two years at this point, but occasionally once in a while I'll find myself lying about food. I, you know, a month ago, my wife was like, you know, how many cookies did you have yesterday? And I think I had three. And I said, I had two. 
and five minutes went by and I was like, no, 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 I had three. And she said, why did you lie? And I was like, I 15 year habit. I don't know. It's kind of like, like an alcoholic or a druggie would, would hide their drug, you know, food's my drug. I just can't quit it. So occasionally I have those like flare ups and then I just have to squash it. Hiding food is bad. I agree, man. I like that. Question number four, Shiloh, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? To, to get in touch with people. I would like, you know, a handful of people to have a genuine impact on them just to pay it forward. That's all I want to do is, is help people the way I was helped. I like it, man. And question number five, Shiloh, if you could go back in time to, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I, cause it's funny. Cause I asked this question, you know, something you go back to tell yourself on day one of your journey, you know, a message you'd want to give to yourself. If you could go back to yourself before you started OptiFast to get in the Navy, like what is, what is a message you would want that Shiloh to hear? Um, so because I think everything happens for a reason and mm-hmm. I was supposed to experience that, mm-hmm. I would tell myself it's going to be okay. I like it. And I think you're right. I think, you know, you, you hear people say it often, but I think it's honestly true. You know, our experiences make us who we are. And if we come to a yeah. place where we like who we are, it's, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly that brought us to this place. Right. For sure. So there we go. The end of part two. Shiloh, I just want to say a huge thank you again for your willingness to share everything that you did with the listeners of the podcast and your openness for people to reach out to you and just I, that willingness to pay it forward, I just think is, is really positive. So I want to say a big thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you giving me a a space to share my story. I hope it reaches people. I definitely think it will, man. So in the show notes today will be Shiloh Social. Connect with him. Check out what he has going on. You know, continue to watch his adventures as, as, as they grow. You can also connect with me, my friends, on Gourmet Goes Keto. On Instagram, on Twitter, you can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. All that good stuff. And then remember, go out there today and do something to amaze yourself because you're the most amazing people that I know. Then catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. And hey, if you're a Patreon, we're jumping over to the after show. Don't miss out on that. 